In the fast and competitive world of social media and content creation, how do you build an online audience and following in 2023? In today's AMA, Sam Chan talks to Ali Adab, Chief Content Officer at Soul Savvy, about just that. They explore his strategies on growing a brand online, how to educate an audience on your product, and how to make a content plan and track your growth. They also explore his experience at BPTV and how he's dipping into Web3 with his company, Fetty. Let's check it out. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everybody. As everybody knows, my name is Sam. This is another episode of Launch AMA. Today, I'm joined by Ali Adab, CCO of Soul Savvy. Welcome, Ali. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I mean, I'm super excited about today's conversation. As you can tell in my background, if you're watching this video, I have a lot of Soul Savvy shoes in the background. I've been good friends with, with all of you guys for, for a long time now. Um, I'm so happy that we can get you on here. I appreciate it. Excited to chat with you. Yeah, yeah. So so for those of you that are listening live, just a couple housekeeping rules as usual. Um, if you do have questions, we have a Q&A um, chat box here. So feel free to pump them in and I'll kind of squeeze your question into Ali. Feel free to ask him whatever you want. I always recommend just kind of pulling up his LinkedIn, looking a little bit on his experiences um, and then and then kind of kind of learning from them. Um, but we're going to have a great discussion here, and uh, hopefully we're going to learn a whole bunch from from Ali and his plethora of experience in in working with whether it's brands or or creators or startups, so on and so forth. Um, just to kick things off, though, Ali, why don't you just explain for everyone in the audience a little bit about yourself, um, how you kind of got into digital media, how you got into startups and and content and such? Sure. Yeah. So, um, you know. My career right now essentially spans um, close to two decades um, in the creator economy, um, more specifically like entertainment, media, and technology. So in my early 20s, I founded a, a record label that had a distribution deal with Warner Music Canada. And um, has always been really kind of passionate about music and entertainment. And so that was kind of my initial startup journey. Um, from there, I, I went to to work at a larger uh, organization called Bodog, which was an online gambling company. And at that time, um, uh, was doing really well in their core business and, and wanted to launch an entertainment and television production division. Um, so continued to work uh, in the music industry there, specifically on the technology side as their director of new media. So overseeing all the online properties and social media profiles. For artists and during that era it was like myspace was the dominant social media platform so that's how far uh, i go back um and then um launched another music tech startup after that called miso digital that was really focused on connecting artists directly with their super fans um, by launching digital download stores and kind of bypassing a lot of kind of the traditional major labels um and then I joined um, a local company in Vancouver called uh, Broadband TV um, and um, was the VP of content and partnerships. And I led um, a number of departments there, uh, the creator acquisition department, which signed content creators and helped them distribute and monetize their video content, as well as the international markets team. So we had launched in 10, 28 countries across 10 languages. Um, I also oversaw the music team, the talent management team, customer success. So um, ha had a hand in a lot of different teams. And then, then um, currently, right now, as you mentioned, I'm chief content officer at Soul Savvy, 
which is um, a sneaker startup, but um, very much tech focused. And I'll kind of explain a little bit about their product later. And I'm also the co-founder of um, an agency called Fetty that works with creators and and helps them um, essentially find new revenue opportunities. But we're very much focused on on Web3 right now as a core pillar. Awesome. So do you want to go ahead and kind of describe a little bit about what Solvay Savvy is? And, and I think you joined last year or the year before. I can't remember exactly. Yeah, I joined uh, exactly a year and a month ago. Um, there's really, I would say, three core pillars to Soul Savvy. One is content. So we produce a range of content across both editorial and video to educate, you know, sneakerheads, sneaker enthusiasts about sneakers, whether it's um, releases or industry news. Um, community is a second pillar. Um, we've got a really engaged community that's actually um, separated across many different Slack cohorts where you can kind of build relationships with other members, help members get sneakers, um, and and just basically be kind of one-stop shop for sneakerheads to, to kind of come together. And then technology is the third pillar. We've developed two um, apps. One of the apps is called Drops. And what we do is... Um, we notify you whenever there's restocks and really uh, essentially all sneakers that are you know upcoming sneaker releases. And so we're tracking over 8,000 plus stores inventory and you simply just enter the brands you're interested in, your size of sneaker and um, keywords for sneakers that you're interested in, in copying. And then you'll get instant notifications um, for restocks. And for those of you that kind of follow the sneaker industry, um, you know, a lot of these releases on a weekly basis are really, really hard to get. So um, it's a monthly, it's a SaaS model. So it's a monthly subscription um, for drops. And then uh, the second app that we have is called uh, Collect. And similar to eBay, StockX, Goat, where um, you can buy and sell sneakers, um, Collect is really more about um, helping people, A, showcase their collection. Um, and then if they want to buy, sell, and trade, uh, they can. And the difference between you know our app is really everything um, is retail or less. So it's not meant for kind of resellers to, to profit. It's meant for kind of true sneakerheads to actually buy sneakers, and wear them, enjoy them. Um, and so yeah, that's that's Soul Savvy's business. Um, one key initiative that I'm involved in right now is given my background working with creators, is helping some of the largest kind of creators, artists who may not get a shoe deal from Nike or Adidas to launch their own sneaker brands. So that's something that we're, um, you know, in the midst of launching and I'm, I'm really, you know, mainly focused on. Yeah. That's, that's really awesome. I always joke that launch Academy is, is like soul savvy, but for startup founders instead of sneakerheads. So we'll have our own shoe coming soon. You can, you heard it here first, right? <laughs> um, but, but that, that, that was really interesting. Like, I think because most startups, um, that are that are at a smaller size, probably under under twenty yeah. or so. They don't usually have a chief content officer. So, so I know you hinted a little bit talking about working yeah. with creators and and building their own kind of um, customized sneaker or or something that adapts to their brand. Um, what does a day in the life of of a CCO look like? Yeah, I'm sure many of the the founders on this call will will relate like titles uh, versus what you actually do. Uh, especially at early stage startups, um, there's usually a, a big difference there, right? And so um, even though that's my title and as part of my role, I do lead content um, and marketing teams at Soul Savvy. We've got you know leaders uh, on both the content and, and marketing side that are 
that are really leading those teams and, and those initiatives. And um, so as it relates to kind of the content piece, um, as I mentioned, we produce both kind of editorial and video content, and it plays a big role in how we acquire customers, whether it's through SEO or whether it's just through um, general kind of brand, brand awareness across our socials and, and the content we put out. Um, and then similarly, when it comes to marketing, um, you know, whether it's um, working with creators or, or, you know, ad spend or a lot of the different ways we go about acquiring customers, like those are the areas that my title kind of plays a role. But beyond that, um, really strategic business development and, and finding different levers for growth at the business is what I do. And so as an example, um, this quarter we're launching in the UK as our, you know, our first kind of international market launch and hope to launch in other international markets from there. Um, so wh wherever we find kind of opportunities for growth at the business, um, um, and as I mentioned through that kind of creator sneaker initiative is like really where I'll, um, I'll focus on and that may shift from quarter to quarter. Like um, as you know, Sam, we launched um, an original sneaker last year as an NFT that you could redeem for the physical. And so I drove that as well. Um, perfect. You can display the sneaker. Um, so uh, yeah, we're wearing many different hats with, with the title that I have. That's awesome. I, I do want to get into the, the creator economy a little bit. Uh, before I do that, I do have a question here. Mm. Um, for, for many startups, um, marketing and content are kind of lumped into to one bucket. For, yeah. for yourselves, your team, or maybe even clients you work with at Fetty, do, do they separate the two? Like this is purely for content purposes and this is like a marketing angle to it. Are there differences from your point of view? Yeah, no, it's a good question. Um, it really, I think, depends on the organization. And um, at Soul Savvy, actually, specifically, it used to be kind of two separate teams. And we found um, it much more kind of effective to actually combine those teams just because there's just so much crossover between, um, the, you know, the different kind of roles and skill sets that you're lo looking for. And um, we just found it only to be beneficial if people that are working on content initiatives were, were kind of looped in on marketing and, and vice versa. And part of it also just comes down to, as a company, what your marketing strategy is and and how how much content is going to play a role. Um, so yeah, you know, I, I definitely think it's it depends. But as organizations get larger, I do think you see those departments kind of split out usually. What do you see as some of the differences in, in mindsets? Because I'm trying to put my kind of like my former blogger brain on. Yeah. And one of the struggles I always had as a writer was like, okay, well, I want to talk about topic X, but then SEO or or my my marketing yeah. brain wants me to talk about topic Y and kind of blend it in. Um for for those that are kind of the the one person shops, like how what are what do you see as some of the differences in the struggles between, I guess, these formerly two teams of yours? Yeah, no, I think the key thing is, is um, and I'm sure this kind of, um, you know, this is something that you'll see across many different organizations, but um, content for many is more focused on like audience building. And so if you're, you're talking about content across socials, the goal really for, for those teams is like, how can I build audience and how can I get as many eyeballs as I can, whether it's like views per video or whether it's um, subscribers, followers. Um, and we all know that that doesn't necessarily translate into customers, right? And so for the marketing teams, they're thinking uh, about customer acquisition and they're thinking more about just like the intent um, of those viewers and, and how you can kind of drive 
sales and or downloads, um, you know, the, the metrics that they look for to actually help the business grow. And so a lot of times those can be aligned, but, uh, but a lot of times they can. And, and that's a challenge as a founder, like, where do you focus more um, depending on where your kind of company's at in its journey? Are you focusing on brand awareness, brand building, audience building, um, kind of top of funnel versus um, actually kind of converting? And, and that's kind of obviously, I think, where you'll see struggles. Yeah. Awesome. Great question yeah. there. Um, talking back to something you mentioned very, very at the tip. Um, you talked about the creator economy. Now, for those that are unfamiliar, how would you kind of describe what the creator economy is? Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I think the first thing is essentially like understanding what the definition of a creator is. And, and I think that varies with a lot of different people, but, um, when it comes to creating content, whether it's like art, music, editorial, video, um, creators kind of kind of make that content and the monetization of that content is really what makes up the creator economy so there's thousands of platforms that kind of facilitate that monetization it could be platforms it could be brands and so that you know those companies that have built um you know those tools that um that allow creators to monetize you know make up the, the creator economy awesome now i for myself anyway more as a consumer, I kind of think of content or creators in in three categories. Usually, it's it's social yeah. media personalities. I know my wife watches a lot of social media personalities. Um, I do too. I'm not trying to just put it on her, um, but also gaming, and then of course music is the third one that kind of pops into my mind. Um, mm -hmm. I think the issue when we're talking with specifically in in our realm is most of the folks listening aren't directly able to relate their businesses to kind of any of these types of categories, right? So so how right. would you kind of recommend for for from a founder's hat perspective to yeah. potentially could be engaging with creators that it makes sense specifically for their businesses? Right. No, I, so you you mentioned kind of the, those few verticals, but like the the great thing about creators in the creator economy is that there's literally like hundreds and if not thousands of different verticals of content and you know i've personally worked with creators across gaming entertainment music kids sports um lifestyle diy food um cars so the this the range and 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 of verticals that creators create content around is so vast that i would definitely say that most businesses could find a subset of creators or creators that are in a niche that have an audience that is relevant to your business. But um, with that said, obviously, some verticals are much bigger than others. So like you mentioned music and gaming, because those are the largest verticals where creators are generating like billions of views. Um, but I would first, yeah, obviously, like the, the, the type of content is, is the most important thing. But then I would also think about creators from a platform perspective. So there's... Um, there's editorial creators who leverage like platforms like Substack. There's um, subscription-focused creators that leverage platforms like OnlyFans and uh, Patreon. Um, there's um, obviously video creators or social media creators that you had mentioned um, on platforms like YouTube, TikTok, Instagram. There's live streaming creators that are focused on platforms like Twitch. So thinking about what format of content lends itself well to your business is also, I would say, a key factor in kind of determining um, how you can tap into creators, for sure. 
Yeah. And and just for those that are listening, I want to make it a little bit more engaging. So if you want to type what type of uh, industry or vertical that you're in, we can maybe use some of those as as examples, right? Like I'm just, I'm looking at run here. I'm going to give you kind of like a weird one. We have some fintech um, stock type um, financial support apps, or I'm, I'm kind of being vague about it because there's a couple of them. Um, but if we took take it from a fintech startup perspective, right? Like I'm probably not getting getting the the TikTok dancers or, or whatever to to you know partner with. How would you kind of go about it if you had a fintech startup and you wanted to engage with creators to basically your brand building, right? You're trying to get more exposure for for your company. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, so I like that example because actually that is a quite emerging vertical on a lot of these platforms. So YouTube has a ton of like fin- fintech or creators that are focused on finance, investing, stocks, crypto. Um, and TikTok is really, really actually emerging there as well. I don't know what the hashtag is because I'm not um, that familiar with it, but I'm sure it's probably like fintalk or something along those lines. Um but in general, I would say um, absolutely that there's creators um, on these platforms that talk about um, finance as a kind of key uh, like content pillar. But I think part of it is just like not just like oh, does this creator talk about finance? But are, like what type of creator uh, content are they creating around that? Um, and would their audience potentially engage with your app? Because some of them can be like highly promotional. Um, some of them may be like really focused on specific like market trends. Um, so you have to actually look at the content and not just be like, oh, this is a fintech creator and I'm, I'm going to reach out to them. I think you have to watch their content, be a fan of their content, see if they do like have in the past, like work with potentially like fintech startups and whatnot. But I would definitely say that that's a, that's a definitely a relevant vertical to tap into creators for, for sure. Sure. All right. I have another example here from from Babic. He has a web hosting and cloud provider. Okay. Actually, one thing I was going to mention on the fintech thing that I didn't is um. So there's tools out there that are very valuable that will allow you to assess whether maybe creators are a good fit. There's free ones. One of them is called Social Blade. Socialblade.com. You can enter a channel name in the URL, and it'll tell you basically like. What are the how how many views has, has that channel got in the past 30 days? Because as an example, the channel can have a lot of subscribers, but it could have been very active, like let's say two years ago, um, and maybe has not uploaded a lot of content recently. Therefore, their views in the past 30 days are going to be quite quite down. So looking at like more recent metrics, or it'll also show you average views per video so that you can get an idea if they're going to do like a sponsored post or whatnot, how many views can you expect them to get? Or benchmark like how their video performs versus like for you versus videos they've done in the past. There's tools that you can pay for as well. Um, one of them's called Gospel Stats. Another one is called Tubular Labs. Um, the, this is for larger companies that have budgets, but with tools like that, you can set thresholds. You can say, "Hey, I want creators that use these keywords in their videos." So each time a creator uploads a video, we don't see that as the user but they enter keywords that will help people find those videos. So you can say, hey, show me creators or videos that have entered these keywords um, between this many subscribers or this many monthly views in these verticals. And it'll send you, it'll it'll export a list of creators that meet that criteria. And that's really how kind of larger companies do um, campaigns. That's amazing. Um, 
So yeah, so the question before was around, I'm sorry, what, what was the startup focused on? Web web hosting and cloud providing. Yeah, so with that one, um, obviously it's, um, you know, you're, it'll, it'll be unlikely that you'll find creators that are like specifically talking about that niche, but there's a lot of tech creators on YouTube. Um, there's a local creator called Linus Tech Tips um, that's massive. Um, and so... You know, finding creators like that that are generally talking about whether it's like hardware or software that um, on YouTube, like you'll you'll definitely find them. And so maybe they're not talking specifically to cloud, but there's definitely going to be some audience there, some crossover. Yeah, and and I think to to Babic's point, I think the you have to kind of expand your your definition of creator a little bit. Like I immediately think of of folks that are doing open source GitHub stuff. Right. Yeah. Like those guys are creating, you know, could be software, could be solutions, could just yeah. be like an API or connection. Um, but like that is definitely one place I would look. Another place, two other places, real quick, Hacker News and uh Stack Overflow. I know I'm talking dev shop to to a bunch of developers when I'm not one, but yeah. but the, that is honestly where I would look. Right. Mm-hmm. So so I think it's it's just kind of broadening that horizon a little bit. Um, we'll do one more and then we'll kind of move on. I have Michael here. Their focus is organizing knowledge management or textual content like notes and tracking information. Um, currently looking at productivity, influencers, maybe others. I think productivity productivity influencers is definitely the right um, niche to go after. And, I, and I've started seeing it pop up on my feeds quite a bit. Um, I would also look at podcasts because I think podcasts uh like that's an area where i've heard heard people talk about this type of content quite a bit and so um you know you can look at podcasters as a way of like whether it's ad slots or whether they'll do sponsored content um it could be a good fit too hey listener i hope you're enjoying this episode of launching me so far if you want to be a part of these discussions live as they're recorded consider joining other like-minded entrepreneurs in our launchpad program to participate in weekly programs and enjoy benefits from Amazon, Microsoft, and more. Learn more about the Launchpad program by going to launchacademy.ca slash launchpad. That's launchacademy.ca slash launchpad. All right, now back to the show. I think I think a lot of study with me is too. Um, a lot of those productivity guys, minimalism is is still a huge topic. Um, that kind of yeah. correlates. And, and and that's what I've really noticed from from folks like yourselves, right? Like you're not just oh, I'm a sneaker company, I want to work with sneaker influencers, but you want to work with other people that have similar audiences, right? So you might work with a basketball YouTuber because they have similar audiences, right? But it's not directly like they're not necessarily talking about sneakers, maybe they're talking about drills, right? Yeah. But you might want to partner with them. And and I think that's like kind of the the second layer of, of working with creators. Um, yeah, and a good example of that is like when we're going out there right now and approaching creators or artists about launching their own sneakers, um, we're going after creators, but we're not we're not going after creators who produce sneaker content. We're going after an artist who who like who's always wanted to launch his own shoe and isn't just thinking about when he's talk, thinking about merch. He's not just thinking about hoodies or T-shirts. He's like, oh, I can actually also make a shoe. So, um, yeah, a- absolutely. But we have found, I will say, when it comes to like creator activations at Soul Savvy, um, where we have seen the most success though is with creators whose content is really kind of aimed at the hardcore sneaker heads because obviously the, the, that audience is like who who we're after you know who who finds value in actually paying for a subscription to get access to, to those sneakers yeah that makes sense and and you know talking about activations 
what is what are some proper expectations? Because I think when the goal is like, oh, I'm I'm partnered with Ali, we're gonna do this content piece together. The the core objective or the final objective is is activations, right? Whether it's buying a product or signing up for your SaaS, whatever it is. Um, yeah. But sometimes, depending on what your product is, it, it might be a multi-layered approach. Like, what's a good way to kind of handle the proper expectations when going in to to work with a creator? And you know, when you're ironing out that partnership, is it is it based on results or or how should you kind of set that up? Yeah, I mean, uh, it depends. Like, are you referring to the expectations um, of the company on how that? piece of branded content is going to perform or the expectations of the creator in terms of what they're supposed to deliver because i think those are two separate things a little bit like in terms mm -hmm. of the i would say creator um you know as a company you have to be really clear on what the deliverables are like what you're expecting out of them right so that needs to be obviously like written out in a contract um uh, and so whether it's like three Instagram stories plus one tweet or, you know, it's, it's literally like a bullet form schedule A of like, this is what we expect you to do. Um, from there, um, then the creative aspect of like how they go about creating that content is also key. And and, and there's a balance because you want to you want to give them the, the, the talking points to make sure that they're delivering the message that properly reflects your brand. And there's a call to action there that you know, obviously it leads to what you're looking for as a company, but you also have to give that creator some creative control so that it's in their voice. And if they feel like you kind of crafted this in a way that is inauthentic, it's not going to actually resonate well with the audience. So making sure that the creator you're working with is um, uh, involved in that kind of creative process and kind of can give feedback and make sure that they're tailoring it to, to their voice um, is really important as well. From there, you know, if the creator has done what you've asked and they've, they've kind of put the effort in, they've delivered, it's on time, they've gone through the right kind of channels for approval. Like if they've done that all, they've kind of, they've done their job, like whether it performs or not, um, it depends on so, so many other factors, right? Um, and in terms of expectations from the company, you know, it's tough if you've never done, done it before um, to know what those results are going to be. But I think that's where I do always recommend like don't blow your whole budget on one creator like you you have to understand that like it takes some time just just like if you're administering ad spend it takes some time to figure out what the right formula is for your company and, and what works so you want to iterate you want to work with different creators of different sizes and not just be like oh yeah we did this one influencer marketing campaign it didn't land so we're not going to do any again um it's it's not that simple yeah mm -hmm. And speaking of, of kind of marketing spend, whether it's, you know, your time at BBTV, Fetty, Soul Savvy, whatever, um, how how are you seeing companies use their marketing spend with creators in in, in comparison to the rest of their marketing budget? Like, is it an increase that you're seeing or, or some sort of examples around that? Yeah, um, so I think this is something that always shifts and and, and evolves, like as, as you see kind of like the market um, evolve. but um, I will say, you know, it's been more challenging lately um, for companies from an ad spend perspective, just because of um, platforms like Facebook and or Instagram um, making shifts in, um, in in algorithm that may affect kind of ROI and and, and other factors like like regulations and uh, and whatnot that affect success there. And so, I do think that's made marketing teams 
um, look at other more creative ways to like market or acquire customers. Um, and as a result, I think you're seeing more, more, um, more, more ads um, or more integrations with creators. I think one thing that's interesting that um, we've done at Soul Savvy that's worked well is um, a combination of both. So doing an, uh, doing a campaign with a creator, um, but then administering ad spend against that creative piece from their account instead of Soul Savvy's like core social account. So you're essentially like reaching new audiences and you're leveraging both kind of paid ad spend and uh, influencer marketing. And, and we found that to be effective. And it, it, and, I, and I do want to stress like, it's it's not about reach. It's not about size of creator. And, and it doesn't, you don't need to be a massive company to do influencer marketing. There's a lot of creators who will do, um, will work with brands uh, based on like receiving free product or on like a pay per download model or or some sort of like affiliate model where they get paid if they drive uh sales and um and and we've seen a lot of success with like small medium sized creators versus the larger ones so um it's something absolutely that i think companies can do no matter kind of where they're at in their like journey in terms of size just for um clarification like what would you yeah. consider kind of or classify as as a as a small audience influencer versus like a larger one or, or in the middle, like what, what kind of numbers are we talking about? Generally speaking, of course. Yeah. Again, like, um, I think, um, I don't think subscribers are necessarily, uh, a metric that will determine whether you'll see success. So, um, you'll want to look at kind of engagement. Um, so like, uh, engagement is essentially like a, a combination of like, how many likes, how many comments um, a post is, is receiving. And essentially, um, I would say if we were looking at kind of follower or subscriber metrics as kind of like a key initial kind of key discovery point of creators you want to find, as low as 5,000 followers is somebody who potentially like has an audience that um, is aligned with like the audience that you're looking for to, to bring awareness. Um, so I see a lot of companies set that floor of like five to 10,000 followers. If you're talking to like about micro influencers, midsize, I would say anywhere between like 50,000, a hundred thousand is what's considered midsize. And then million, 500,000 million plus is what you consider large. Um, but yeah, you're, you're not really having to spend, um, a lot when it comes to like creator activations. If you're, if you're looking at, um, creators in that small to mid tier. Mm -hmm. yeah. And and so I think that that actually is a good segue to I think what will be is on everybody's mind is you know when you're a small company your your brand presence is small and and maybe yeah. you haven't invested a large budget to to you know the creator influencer market yet yeah. how can yeah. you kind of get influencers or creators to kind of consider partnering with you whether and I think I think you kind of answered the first part of it is is you kind of have to classify like the the small medium large. Yeah. influences but from there like how would you go about like okay well for this person i would consider something paid for this person i would just be it would just be product yeah i think i think the question first just starts with like do you have a budget or like like realistically like what what is your spend uh let's say in 2023 for marketing and what percentage of that do you want to apply to creators and so you go you go in knowing what you're willing to spend um uh, and don't kind of don't feel like you need to deviate from that in terms of like how you go about actually working with creators, 
Um, I'll kind of speak to like all the different kind of ways and then what would make sense for, for companies at early stage. But um, creators who are like mid to large, generally, usually, um, I would say at least 50% of them have some sort of management and or like agency representation. And so there's larger agencies like CAA, WME, UTA that represent digital larger kind of digital talent. And then there's um, hundreds of management companies, um, you know, uh, all around the world that also now represent creators and influencers. And so typically if you reach out to a creator um, in their like about section or uh, on their like, you know, Lincoln buyer or whatever, that will land on the managers or agencies like inbox and they'll negotiate on behalf of the creator for the larger creators. And so what you're going to see happen there is they'll, they'll, um, when they're negotiating, like they're more sophisticated, they'll take a fee. Um, uh, but that is, that is the most effective way to actually get to the creators through their management or agent or agent when they're that size. If they're smaller, the creator is going to manage that themselves. They're going to have their email on their social profiles. You'll reach out to them and, and you'll, you'll be able to negotiate. Um, there's influencer marketing agencies. There's, um, uh, they really vary in size, but, um, if you're a larger company, a lot of times, um, you know, you'll work with those agencies because they'll do a lot of the heavy lifting. So they'll manage like the creative brief and the back and forth and the agreement and all that, um, for you. So, um, it kind of takes away a lot of the heavy lifting, but you have to be aware that they're going to take, uh, they're going to pad, right. The, the fee to obviously account for that infrastructure that they're providing. And so if you work with those agencies, you're going to end up paying more than you would if you just reached out to a creator directly. Um, and um, what was I going to say? Oh yeah. And then PR firms, like a lot of like companies that do PR have now added like influencer marketing as an add-on service. And so similar to those influencer marketing, like agencies, they'll add fees associated with that, but they're typically not as high as what you'd see with, larger agencies because they're smaller teams like a lot a lot more nimble um but yeah in terms of companies at early stage that maybe don't have the largest budgets you got to just do the work be scrappy reach out to the creator directly go back and forth negotiate and just do it all because um that fee you're going to pay is going to go directly in the creator's pocket and there and there you know there won't be kind of additional padding on top of it that's going to go to these other third parties it's awesome um, and then I think reversely, I know because you've worked with thousands of creators over the years, what do creators look for when they're trying to decide whether they want to work with you? Yeah, it's, um, it really varies because some creators just don't even want to do brand, brand deals. Like they're just reverse. They consider it like, oh, they're selling out if they're, um, mm -hmm. creating content that uh, that's kind of outside of the scope. So the first thing, um, the first thing I would do is just a, Check if the creator's done branded content or sponsored posts before before you reach out, um, uh, so that you don't kind of throw the creator off. Um, in terms of what creators are looking for, I just think like they're going to be way more excited to work with you if what they're promoting and what they're working with you on is something that they're passionate about and or like resonates with them. So just make sure it's a fit. It's only going to work um, if both parties are excited to work together. Um, and then, yeah, I, I think creators want to get paid. So you'll see there's instances where 
brands like maybe aren't happy with the results or whatnot like that doesn't mean you can't pay the creator they've, they've done the work um so like just making sure that the payment terms are fair the deliverables are clear um and and generally that that the you know that it's a fit there's alignment um that's really what creators want that's fair is there a starting point that you would recommend for for a startup trying to kind of enter the space and start start building partnerships with creators um i mean really it, it's really just as simple as like creating a, a a database or a crm like some sort of way to track creators um and and kind of enter their info enter their contact info um like what vertical they're in like basically details around those creators um and just reach out it's as simple as that um uh there's um there's kind of also two ways you can think about it like the way i've explained it is um and what you mostly see is like it's laborious you're going back and forth there's emails you have to negotiate the terms of deliverables there are platforms that automate this that you would consider like brand deal or brand sponsorship platforms that um take a lot of the work out of this so they you know there's search tools there's there's filters there's ways you can find creators on those platforms you can message them within that the platform and um basically it aims to kind of like productize and or make the entire process more efficient um but there's arguments to be made that like you know it's hard to automate this because there's such a human element to making sure you like have a conversation with that creator they really understand your product and they're going to do a good job so i'm not saying don't use those tools so you can also research those tools um a lot of the really good ones are quite expensive so then again it becomes like out of budget for smaller companies to use those tools but some of them are free um and and they help you find those kind of like micro nano influencers so you know, by all means, you can kind of research like influencer marketing platform and, and see what's out there. Um, but I will say it's a hard thing to automate. There's too, there's a, so much human involvement in like activating creators that uh, at some point you're going to need to talk to that creator. Yeah. I just want to give a quick shout out to one of our portfolio companies, Meg Sway, who specifically does influencer connection, connecting with businesses. So, so I think that's on the topic of what exactly what you're talking about here. Um, perfect. And so, so as we kind of continue this conversation, like the, the idea of partnering with creators, creating content through creators, um, perhaps the, the end of the end of the day, it might be a little too pricey for them to engage with creators at this point. And some companies may choose to have, um, their own content creation strategy. Right. And, and sometimes that involves maybe it's both sides. What recommendations do you have on trying to kind of balance both your own content versus partnered content? And maybe, maybe just to pick your brain, like how does Soul Savvy do it? Yeah. I mean, um, so to start there, whether it's activating creators or creating your own content, both take resources, both take time, uh, both take budget, right? And so, like, how do you balance that? is a is a tough question. It's something that at Soul Savvy has kind of shifted over time, um, um, just depending on what's working, what's not working, and 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 whatnot. But I will say, if you're thinking about content strategy, um, um, obviously, like social profiles are absolutely like a necessity, especially if your business is consumer facing. But I would argue, like, regardless, it's something that is is relevant. Um, and one thing that I do think is very um, 
beneficial to, 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 to startups is just like now the proliferation of short form content and how popular like TikTok is as a platform, how successful YouTube shorts has been since it's launched and, um, and, and, and platforms like reels. Um, it's a lot easier now to make content. Um, um, it's a lot cheaper now to make content. Um, and, and that bodes well for startups. So I would say if you're thinking about, um, content strategy, like short form versus long short form, I would say that short, short form is definitely the way to go because it's much easier to produce, um, and much more cost effective. And it's actually proving to be a lot easier for audience building as well. So five years ago, I would have said like, Hey, you need to start a YouTube channel and it's a lot harder, I'll say, to start a YouTube channel and build audience and subscribers right now versus actually five years ago. So I would um I would definitely say to focus on on short form. And then there's things to think about as well as like this is the first time um we're seeing that you can you've got these three platforms with reels, shorts, and um uh TikTok where you can deploy the same content to three platforms at the same time, right? Because you don't need it's it's the same format. And it's vertical video, um, so you're you're able to reach way more eyeballs now than you ever have been in history. But at the same time, keep in mind you don't want to do something like upload a video to TikTok and then take that video from TikTok and upload it to Reels, and it's got the TikTok watermark because you'll get penalized on these platforms if you're not using their platforms like natively. Similarly, like the other way around on TikTok, if you're like captioning a video on TikTok. You gotta you gotta use TikTok's text to actually like caption that video. Cause if you're just using the text that you used in Reels, you'll get penalized because TikTok's SEO will not see that as native text within TikTok. So um there's little nuances there to just make sure you're you're using these platforms the most effectively. A lot of times it can make or make or break like you you get your discoverability on the on the platform. Um but I, so, so in terms of content strategy, I would definitely lean towards short form content when it comes to video content. Gotcha. Um, cool. So just a quick reminder for everybody listening live. If you do have questions for Ali, feel free, pump them in the, the Q&A and we'll be happy to answer them. I just want to do kind of a quick recap because I know we've we've gone through quite a bit, but it sounds like, and, I, and I'm paraphrasing, so feel free to correct me. Sure. Um, step one of really any content or creator partnership uh, strategy is really kind of doing your research. You have to understand your own audiences, who are the creators in the space that you want to target. Um, and I think I think for a lot of startups, it's just a matter of like, who who's your core customer? Who are the people you want to reach, right? Like that's really step one. Step two is, is you know, with the creators themselves, each of them will have their own following. Maybe, maybe some of them don't do brand deals. Some of them do do brand deals. And so understanding their brand um, is really important even before you even started to engage with them, right? And then I think step three is is understanding your own budgets um, and what you're willing to spend either from your own time, whether it's sweat equity or or it's it's you know paid work, right? And so so that kind of ties us into with with a lot of founders um, creating content and building brand is often kind of like last on the list. They're like, okay, we got to build the product and then we got to make the sales and then now we have sales. We have to have customers to serve. What advice would you kind of give for smaller teams that are that like they know they need to build their brand because that's the only way they're going to scale? Um, but but how do they do it with you know small teams and and what would you kind of recommend as as baby steps? Um, I don't know if I caught the the question. It, it's you're asking um, 
Sorry, say that one more time. So, so from from perspective of founders, especially when you're yeah. a starting yeah. team, what are the baby steps that you would recommend for starting that content strategy? Whether it's working with creators yeah. or creating your own content. Right. So, so the first thing I would say is like assessing whether you're assessing whether creators are a fit. Um, yeah, just be realistic about whether the vertical um, that you're operating in or the industry that you're operating in actually even has creators that create content around that. Because if they don't, or if it's just very small, like they're, like they're, there's not much reach or engagement across that content on social media, then I would say like creators are absolutely not the like should not be the priority of how you could go about acquiring customers and definitely um focus on building kind of content in other areas whether it's like your own website or blog or um or or really like going out there and finding customers where they are online um which necessarily might not be like creator focused platforms right so um that's like the the, the first thing and then if creators do resonate um with your product and it is something like where they create content that resonates with with, with what you're you're doing then absolutely then i would say uh we, you know further to what we talked about earlier is just like find those creators reach out to them on those platforms um and, and that's how it gets started i think one thing that i didn't mention that is worth mentioning is is like as a startup you have to obviously think outside of the box and do things um be prepared to do things in unconventional ways so I would say when you're, if you are going to tap into creators, it doesn't always have to just be a sponsored post and, hey, I'm going to pay you X amount. It could be like, you know, would a creator um, potentially want to be the face of this brand um, so that it's more of like a creator-led brand that we're, that we're, um, we're launching to consumers because we think this creator is such a perfect fit. Or if you don't have a budget, like, uh, and you want to do like more of a long-term commitment with a creator like are we willing to do a revenue share on sales are we willing to actually maybe give them equity in our startup um if we think that you know they, they could help so you have to always um creators will be open and so you have to be open to like thinking about you know all the different ways that you can activate outside the box for sure and i think in in correlation to that long jeans here is asking um and i'm going to kind of pull specific words from his question is is you know sneakers are kind of generally accepted by by public there's there's a there's a clear market for it when yeah. you have to educate a market and also kind of you're you're providing customer acceptance for for their innovation especially in new segments like yeah. their vertical is farming for example um yeah. how do you kind of attack it from there and i think you answered it a little bit but if you have any extra things you want to add on yeah i mean it's um i i would say this is like um if the topic or if your business, um, you know, a big um, key is just kind of like educating consumers so they learn about the industry, the sector, like what you do, then absolutely it makes sense for your content strategy to be much more like education focused and like product marketing focused, um, which is very different than um, let's say in our industry where we absolutely with Soul Savvy, like a lot of our content is just educating people about our app what the differences between our app versus others and or educating them on like how the product works but then there's um an equal emphasis on sneaker news and or upcoming sneaker releases so that we're equipping people whether they're members or not about what they want to learn about sneakers and so there's that balance so that balance might shift with 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 your startup whether um if there needs to be a lot more education um and then similarly like from a creator standpoint, yeah, if creators aren't creating content around that, then 
then I would focus more on a content strategy that doesn't rely on creators. Gotcha. And then another another question I have here is how do you navigate capitalizing on trends? I'm going to paraphrase a little bit. He says while having approval from higher ups, but I think even as even if you are the founder, like trying to give the go ahead on like, hey, we need to capitalize on this latest TikTok challenge or something like that. I think yeah. like the issue is from the time of creation to production to to shipping, like the maybe yeah. the trends already passed. Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, so there's pros and cons. So so number one, um like if if the approval process is so long that a trend has gone, like you need to kind of try to help solve that approval process within your organization because you know you shouldn't have to wait, I would say longer than like forty eight hours to get approval on a piece of content at a company and 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 most trends definitely last longer than that. Um, but but what I'd also stress is that is that your content strategy shouldn't just be based on capitalizing up trends because, all those those will gain a lot of views. A lot of times, the audiences around that content will be fickle, and also the lifetime views of those videos is short. Right? They're not going to continue to get views beyond um, when that trend kind of dies down. So, in terms of your content strategy, you want to think about like evergreen content, where this content will be relevant not just now, but six months from now, a year from now, so that those videos will always get views, um, and they won't be so dependent on kind of like a short time span amazing great question so we're nearing the end of the hour now um before we leave i want to talk a little bit about your, your work with fetty we haven't even mentioned really what what fetty is so why don't you go ahead and kind of explain a little bit about what your work is there sure yeah so um there's a few different pillars also to fetty one is like we're i'm really passionate about that intersection of like web3 and creators and 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 platforms in web3 specifically that are like helping creators monetize their ip in new ways on the blockchain and so we're looking at investing in, in companies in the space there um the second pillar is is an agency where if platforms um are looking to onboard creators and this has been for us more focused on web3 but also we're doing this across web2 platforms as well is like a lot of times um companies um could be really strong technically and they're especially early stage like really just focused on product development and then when it comes to actually acquiring creators or going to market and trying to onboard creators that could leverage these platforms at scale they need help there and that's where we come in and we can help them with their strategy of like how to essentially onboard creators at scale and go after management companies agencies that have um, creator monetization companies that work with thousands of creators and and help them to develop like strategic partnerships to like onboard creators to those platforms to, to monetize their content in new ways. Um, we're also heavily focused on helping creators launch NFTs and or cryptocurrencies or social tokens to essentially like unlock rewards for their fans. So you can think of it as like an early fan can buy this NFT. And as a result, they'll they could potentially see upside um in holding that nft um, because they can buy sell and trade it there's a market for it but then with that nft comes different utility like meeting your favorite creator on a on a live stream and or um deciding on what let's say it's an artist like what their next single is going to be or picking what their album art is going to be so you become essentially like a part of that creator's economy by by purchasing their nft and that's something that we've worked um with a lot of artists and creators and platforms um 
with um, on the agency side. And then the third pillar is um, we do want to develop our own tech that helps kind of creators monetize their content in Web3. So we're kind of really early stages there. Yeah. Awesome. And then for the for the companies that you're helping, helping onboard and expand and connect to creators, are those usually um, pure agency deals where, where it's a contract or is, or is there like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Are there investment opportunities where you're doing, doing during shares as well? Yeah, no, we're, um, for the most part, it'll be, um, a combination of like, um, retainer, um, for us to just essentially, uh, like a monthly fee for us to just act as like a creator acquisition arm for them. Um, and then if we meet kind of certain milestones, like, um, bring on X amount of creators or whatnot, we'll kind of unlock additional, um, uh, revenue in some cases, if they're like web three companies, we'll also get paid in like their native token. If that company's like launch a token. Um, but in some cases yeah, we, we, I think you know, we've done one uh, deal where if we hit certain milestones, we get equity in the company, but, um, we're we're flexible in terms of like how, how we work with the companies, but our mission and our goal is to just like help creators find new ways to monetize their IP. Because if you think about platforms like YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, they're great for audience building for a creator, but you don't actually know who your true fans are. You don't even know their names. You don't have their email addresses. And so there's a gap between not like the, like the average fan who's just watching that video and the super fan who's willing to buy merch, willing to go through your to your show who's willing to like engage in more exclusive experiences for you. So as a company, we're, we were aiming to like bridge that gap and help creators like have access to that fan data. So the platforms we're working for are platforms that are like giving creators access to that fan data. Um, that's kind of that, that intersection that we're really focused on. That's awesome. And then to kind of put your predictor hat on, Mm-hmm. Obviously, at this very moment, there's a lot of poor sentiment revolving around NFTs, blockchain, Web3, yeah. all of that. Um, and it's not without merit either, right? There are some things that are that are yeah. the industry still needs to grow. In in yeah. your kind of predictions, how do you kind of see, say, three years from now, five years from now, okay. creators and and whether it's NFTs or the blockchain blockchain tech, how does yeah. that kind of coexist and what does the future look like? Yeah, I mean, listen, I don't have a crystal ball and I and so uh, I definitely don't claim to, to have an answer, but this is what I firmly believe in. One is anytime there's um, an industry that is like highly centered around a market where you can kind of buy, sell and trade, there's going to be like macroeconomic factors that are going to affect that. And you're going to see ups and downs and volatility and whatnot. So I do think right now we're seeing this downward trend. There will be a resurgence like when um, different, obviously, like market factors improve where uh, things are going to get hot and heaty again and 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 will resurge. But where I think there's a gap and where the opportunity is and what's been missing is like more platforms that are actually pro- providing value and utility where if you buy an NFT or a token, like regardless of volatility, you can still gain value. Um, and, and that's where I think you're seeing a lot of companies that um, who have their head down that are building products and tools where there's utility, there's use cases where um, as a fan, as a consumer, as a creator, like you can actually do things that are engaging and it doesn't really matter whether like what, what, what prices are for, for crypto and whatnot. And so that's where I think the gap is. And I think we've seen some use cases that have been super successful, but just not enough. And I just think over time, you'll see that. The other challenge with crypto is that there's like still huge barriers to entry when it comes to like people understanding like how to 
set up a wallet and understand how to like buy and sell crypto, move crypto, all of that. So until um, that becomes a lot easier and kind of uh, the language around NFTs and, and, and the usability, just like all of that improves, um, you're going to continue to see hurdles. Um, hopefully with this downturn that's happening right now, a lot of the bad actors or people that were kind of just in it around speculation only making money, like rugging, hopefully we start to see that subside. And hopefully also we see products that are more robust that can like counter that, um, that fraud and, and a lot of those challenges. Like, um, I do think you're going to see improvements there. That's amazing. And so last question for me, Ali. Um, this has been a super interesting conversation, and there's a lot of folks that are listening here now that are really eager to connect with you. Um, who are you chatting with, and how can people connect with you? Yeah, I would say um, the best way to reach me is just on LinkedIn. Um, uh, just search for my profile, Ali Adab, and um, uh, send me a request and send me a note that you're in this AMA. And yeah, if people want to chat with me at any time, I'm happy to talk. Um, I would give my email, but I, I I like to keep like my my work stuff separate from from the networking stuff. So yeah, just reach out to LinkedIn, and then we can take it from there. It's probably best we don't give the email. <laughs> um, but but really appreciate you and your time, and 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 there's lots of wisdom in in the last hour we've chatted. So I feel like this is one of the ones that's gonna have a lot of replayability as well in terms of of the podcast. Speaking of the podcast, if you are listening to this on the recording and you're not a Launchpad member yet. First question, why not? Uh, second question, if you do want to become a Launchpad member and get in on these sessions live, just go to launchacademy.ca slash launchpad um, and make sure you subscribe to the podcast if you want to listen to these sessions and, and more news coming soon. Thank you to everybody that joined us live today and we'll be back next month with another AMA. And again, appreciate you, Ali, for all the time you spent. Thanks, everyone. Take care. Thanks for having me. All right. Take care, everyone. Bye. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of Launch AMA, a podcast that's part of the Launch Academy network of podcasts. If you like what you heard, give us a follow on your favorite podcast app and subscribe to our YouTube channel at Launch Academy HQ. You might also like our other podcasts, Bits and Bytes and Founder Journey. This episode was hosted by Sam Chan and produced by Samson Lee. Learn more about what we do here at Launch Academy by going to launchacademy.ca. Consider joining our Launchpad program by going to launchacademy.ca slash launchpad. That's launchacademy.ca slash launchpad.